Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. Seems to be uh, some happiness and cheer in, in the house this morning. That's good. Uh, y- you had it right. I don't know if you realized it, but you said a word that we're about to sing really, really loudly. So uh, keep up with that. Because uh, we're going to sing the Lily of the Valley, and if you didn't know, uh, at the end of every line, practically, you, you shout the word hallelujah. So I want to hear that this morning. Let's sing the Lily of the Valley together to start this off. One. I found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me, he's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I stand, all I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay, he tells me every care on it to roll. Hallelujah, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. The fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my grief is taken and all my sorrows born. Temptation is my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn. From my heart and now he gives me by his power. All the world forsake me and Satan tempt me so Through Jesus I shall safely reach the Now let me hear you The lily of the valley The bright and morning star He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul You'll never, never leave me No, yet forsake me here I live by faith and do His blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. From His manna He my hungry soul shall fill. It's leaping up to glory to see His blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roam. The lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Happy New Year. Amen. Amen. What better way to kick off New Year than in God's house? It's good seeing everybody this morning. He is the lily of the valley, and praise God, he's right here with us right now. So let's just call out to him to be with us and to bless this message this morning. And I pray this morning that you will leave out of this place that much closer to who God is. If you don't know him at all, I pray that you'll come to that realization today. If you do know him, let's start this new year off right and say, Lord, whatever you say, so mote it be. Amen? Let's go to the Lord. Father God, I just come before you and thank you that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings, that we can come before you humbly proclaiming your righteousness. As we said in Sunday school this morning, we have significance 
not because of who we are or what our bank account says, but because of who you are and that you abide within us. So, Lord, I just pray your blessing and anointing to come down upon this service today. Be with everyone that is here this morning and is hearing this voice, on whether it be the, the live stream, wherever. May your holy anointing fall upon us, and may we grow that much closer to who you are. Lord, just, just, I pray that you will look down from heaven and say, those are my people down there worshiping in Sutherland Springs. And we give you all praise, all honor, and glory. And Lord, if there is someone here today, for whatever reason, they've never surrendered and bowed a knee unto you, may this be the day. No matter where they've been in church their whole life, if this is the day they realize they really do not have that relationship, may it be made so today. Lord, just hold us, guide us, and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. It's good to listen to everybody sing just now. I can hear so many people behind me. And even with all the hallelujahs, I still heard, heard my brother over there the loudest with it. Amen. But it's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around a second. Shake somebody's hand. Give them a hug. Just tell them hallelujah. It's good to see them in church. Ready? Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Wanders away, this life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. I was a blind man, I wandered alone. Worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like the blind man, God gave back his sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. I was a fool to wander and stray. Straight is the gate and narrow the way. Now I have traded wrong for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow. Come on and join us. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the One more time. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I 
Now, if that didn't wake you up, you are good and asleep. Amen. As we get to our seats this morning, just a few announcements I want to put out there. Ian announced this in Sunday school, but let me make sure to get that out to you again. This coming Friday evening, everybody got your pens out? Write this down on your bulletin. Friday evening is a men's uh, steak night at Alamo Christian Fellowship. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. River City Fellowship. Uh, get with Ian, he can give you all the details and everything on that one. Uh, but it's a uh, steak night men's group. David Kobath is going to be the, the keynote speaker. So if you would like to go and help support David and listen to his testimony and the message that he has and others will be speaking. And a great time, men of fellowship. So get with Ian and let him know if you're planning on coming to help them to understand how much more meat to buy and things of that nature to put on the grill. So again, that's this coming Friday evening. It starts at 6 o'clock. And Ian can give you details as far as address and such. I'm sorry? You need to go? It's a men's prayer retreat. That's, that's the gender neutral church down the road. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't, I can't hear her. Discriminate. The women do a lot more around here than the guys get to do. <laughs> anyway, do they need? Do they have room for another cook out there? She can go for that, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding, ladies. I'm picking on her, not all of y'all. Seriously, back to our announcements this morning. Also, January 19th is our annual business meeting. I want to encourage you to put that on your your prayer list to be able to stay. Everyone's welcome to stay at our, at, our, at our business meeting. It's going to be a potluck. We're going to have a lunch. We're going to have a great time of fellowship. And then afterwards, we'll have a meeting, and every, each department will present what's happened over the last year and anything they feel like is coming up in the future. It's just kind of a great place to see where the church has been and where it's going and just give praise to the Lord. It's, it's always wonderful to hear how God is working in the midst and working out amongst the, through the, the live feed and things of that nature. God has just brought so much together. So that, that business meeting, everyone's encouraged to come and be a part of that. That will be this January 19th. And then last but not least, let me throw this out here. The Tuesday night ladies Bible study is going to begin again in February. And uh, it will be, uh, I, I, stay tuned for more details. I'm not sure who's going to be le- leading that up. But it'll be, the ladies Bible study will come back in February. Okay, I think that's enough announcements, Brother John Holcomb. There he is. Come on up, brother. Amen. Father God, just lift up my brother to you and just ask in the name of Jesus that you'll hold him and guide him as he speaks to us. And may we hear your word through him in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about prayer today. It's in... uh, uh, there's a few different uh, books that we'll look at. Uh, first, in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll start in uh, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer, and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 18. Pray at all times, in the Spirit, with every prayer and request. And stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me, when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus came to the disciples. This is when he was in the the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, uh, about to be handed over. to be crucified. Jesus came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12. During those days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. There have been nights that I have trouble sleeping and, you know, really, what could I be doing? I could be praying. Uh, And uh, that's something that we should all do, and I know I don't pray enough. I definitely haven't prayed all night uh, like Jesus did. And it it is nice that Jesus understands that the flesh is weak there in Matthew 26. And, you know, sometimes it's just we get tired, but there's one person who doesn't want you to pray. That's Satan. Satan doesn't want you to pray. So he'll come up with all kinds of little distractions or things to try and keep you from praying. And uh, what what you got to do is recognize that and uh, tell him to go away and pray. Uh, you'll find all kinds of reasons. You're too busy, whatnot. Uh, but it's so important for us to make time. He tries to tie us up with just things and stuff that really isn't all that important. Spending time with the Lord is extremely important. And uh, he gives us this ability to pray. It's uh, uh, pray with thanksgiving. And, and, uh, and he hears us when we pray, when we go to him. We just need to go to him more often. I do anyway. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you. Uh, that we get to come here and worship worship you and we get to come to hear your word. Uh, we lift up Brother Chris and the band. We lift up Pastor Frank, a message that he's going to bring from you. We ask that you would uh, please guide them, direct them through this service, help us all to understand it, and uh, we thank you for all your many blessings. We praise your glorious name above all names. Uh, we ask that you would uh, keep Satan out, and uh, that the Holy Spirit would just indwell this place and, and uh, lead us according to your will. We thank you for hearing these requests, and we praise your glorious name. Above all names, in the name of Jesus, we ask these things. For yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to continue singing, so... Um... Take a comfortable position of worship, whatever that means for you. Stand, sit. Of course, the words will be up on the screen.
You can grab your seats this morning. Amen. Kind of going with what John said a moment ago and what the, past, what the scripture is this morning, I feel as though that we need to go ahead and uh, go to the Lord in prayer. If you, if you didn't know, Evan was here this morning, but he had to go home. He hurt his back real bad, and I guess she's going to take him to the emergency room. So let's just stop before we even get started any further. And instead of putting it off, let's do as John said, and let's pray about it. Amen. Father God, I do come before you, and I lift Evan up to you, and uh, I know this young man's his back is hurting him, and I could see it in his eyes this morning, but it's gotten worse, and uh, God, I, you could speak, and he'd just be made whole, and we pray for that right now. So in the name of Jesus, I put Evan in your hands, Lord, that your will be done. Father, and if it is to be uh, done at the, by the doctors and nurses, guide their thoughts, guide their actions, and God, may they all have wisdom and witness to one another the way you would have them to do so this day. Father, we just ask for you to be with Miranda and Evan and just get them through this and get him to feeling better, Lord, and let him know that brothers and sisters are praying for him, but most of all, that you're there right there with him as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. As you're turning there, let me just share a little story with you that I I read just this past week, it was about a man and his wife, they were cleaning out the attic. And while they were cleaning out the attic, he come across a claim ticket for a shoe repair. And he looked at this ticket and it was stamped 11 years earlier. And he looked to his wife and said, this is incredible. I wonder if the shoe store will still have my shoes that they were working on. And his wife said, you know, I, I highly doubt that, but don't know unless you ask, so just, just try it. So the next day, he got, gets in his car, he drives to the shoe repair stop, shop, and he, he hands the man the ticket and says, I know this ticket's 11 years old. I'm just curious. Do you still have my shoes? I forgot about them. And the man said, really? I don't know. Let me go back there and see. So he goes back in the back, and after a few minutes, he hollers out and says, hey, I found them. I still have them. Here they are. And the man at the counter says, no kidding. That is incredible. Who would have thought that you would still have them after all this time? And the man came back to the counter with a big smile and said, I'll have them ready for you on Thursday. <laughs> he procrastinated just a little bit. Amen? That shoe repairman had been putting things off. As we start off this new year, one thing that I felt like God laid on my heart, and it kind of goes along with what my brother John was saying with his scripture reading a while ago as well, we tend to procrastinate to do things that God calls us to do now. He tells us to get things done or to do something, and we always come up with excuses or life gets in the way, but for whatever the reason, we procrastinate, and sometimes that's to a bad end. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, I want you to listen to what Paul is saying, starting in verse 6. It says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. And the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world. And he has gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychias to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did grant harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him yourself because he is strongly opposing to our words. At my first defense, no one came to my assistance, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against him, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the proclamation might be fully made through me and all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila in the house of Onesiphorus and Erastus has remained at Corinth. Trophimus said, I left sick at Miletus. May every effort, make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as does Prudence and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit and grace be unto you. Today, what we're reading here in 2 Timothy is the final recorded words of the Apostle Paul. These are his last thing he puts out there. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what happens next. More than likely, he was beheaded by the emperor Nero right after this letter was written. But these were his last words. So what was on Paul's mind at the end of his life? He knew that the end had come. He knew that his, his life was being poured out as a drink offering. And yet his last words were recorded were primarily about people. In his final days, he thought about how Demas, a friend who, who left him in his time of need, choosing to love the things of this world more than other things. He, he thought about how Demas headed out. He thought of other good friends, the Cretians, Titus, um, uh, Tychicus. He, he thought about all these different people who were serving the Lord in other places. In other words, he's sitting there, it's his last days, and he, he's going over in his mind his ministry. He's going over in his mind the people he's had effect on. He's going over his mind the effects that people have had on him. He's remembering things that have happened to him and things that he has done for others. He's grateful that, that Luke had remained in Rome to comfort him while he was in prison. And, and he mentions the man named Alexander, the, the coppersmith, the metal worker, who did all he could to stop his preaching, who was opposing his, his, the gospel message and warned Timothy to be careful of this man because he's opposing to the message that we have to share. And he sends his greetings to Timothy from all the friends in Rome. But he doesn't stop there in his last days. He gives thanks to God. He says, God, I, I want to thank the Lord that even when it seemed like everyone had forsaken me, when all the trials were coming down around me, when, when it seemed like I was all alone, praise God, I knew he was always with me, that he was standing there with me. He is sharing all this with Timothy and you and I as well. He, he has complete confidence in where he's going. Amen? He knows that he is going to be entering into the kingdom of heaven. He is not afraid of dying. 
He's not afraid of what's about to take place. He's not afraid that, that he, know, he knows he's going to the chopping block. But he says, I am about to be presented with a crown of righteousness placed on my head by the God of righteousness. He, that, the last thing Paul is is afraid of dying. He knows in whom he's placed his life. He knows his security is in God. He is not afraid of dying in any way whatsoever. Except, but there is one thing still. He's not afraid of dying, but he does want to see Timothy. And he tells Timothy, he writes it down twice. He says, Timothy, come see me with all haste. Make every effort you can to get here quickly. I want to see you. I'm in prison, but I want to see you before I go. Not once did he say it. Twice he told Timothy, be here before the winter. Make every effort to get here quickly. It wasn't because he was afraid. He wanted to see Timothy. Now, Timothy more than likely was in Ephesus at this time, hundreds of miles away. It would take several months for him to get to Rome. But look what Paul writes there in verse 9. He says, make every effort to come to me soon. He knows how long it's going to take. He knows where he is. He sent a letter to him. He knows where he is. But he says, make every effort to get here as quickly as you can. In verse 11 and 13, he goes on to say there, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in my ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Make every, if you jump down to verse 21, make every effort again to come before winter. Eubulus greets you. Make every effort. Bring these things. Bring Mark. But twice he says, make every effort to come to me. Paul is basically saying, Timothy... If you're going to come see me, now is the time. If you're going to come see me, come now. I want you to come make every effort in haste. I'm laying this out there before you. You know, people come to it and say, will you pray for me? Rather than waiting, when they say, will you pray for me? I am hurting, I am sick, I am this, I am that. They're actually saying, will you pray for me now? Will you pray for me before it's too late? Will you pray for me before you forget Paul was telling Timothy, don't wait. Don't delay. I don't have a whole lot longer to live. Come quickly, my friend. Come before the winter time. Come and see me. What can we learn in this right here, folks? When, it, when Paul was tell, talking to Timothy here and he was telling him to, to hurry, he was saying that this is God's timing. This is what I need you to do. I need you to come see me with all haste. So there are some things... That must be done before winter, as the scripture says. In other words, before the time comes that we can't get things done or we don't do them at all. In other words, what what Paul was telling Timothy, don't put off today, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. We've heard that saying over and over and over. But how often do we listen to that? How often does God tell us to get up and do something before tomorrow and yet we get caught up with life we get caught up with things we get caught up with whatever it may be and oftentimes we totally forget now why did Paul ask Timothy why did Paul tell Timothy come before the winter the answer is actually pretty simple during winter the travel of the sea would be incredibly difficult it's in fact sometimes it was impossible if Timothy delayed he would not be able to get to Rome until spring so Paul's saying hurry up If you're going to come see me, now's the time. My life is about to be poured out as a drink offering. I want to see you, Timothy. If he waited too long, Paul more than likely would be expired. He would be dead. 
Folks, there are doors of opportunity that are open for us today that may not be open tomorrow. When God calls us and asks us to go and do, when he commands us to go and say, when he directs us to go and perform, whatever it is that God is calling us to go and share the gospel or however he tells us to do it, he's saying to do it now rather than tomorrow. Oftentimes we think we know best. Oh, well, it'll be there tomorrow. I can get to it tomorrow. Can you really? Do you really know everything that's going to transpire between now and then? Do you know what's going to happen in your life? Do you know what's going to happen in the life of that other individual? Do you know what's going to happen to that door of opportunity that right now is standing open? You may say, oh, it's going to be open a long time. And God, in his infinite knowledge, said, no, it's closing now. It's being poured out as a drink offering. Either go now before the winter or it's going to be too late. We so often get so cocky and arrogant into thinking that we know more than God. Well, God's telling me I need to do this, so I'm I'm going to sit on it a little while and just kind of do this, that, and the other. Or I got some stuff I have to do over here, and God's saying the door is closing. And if you don't take advantage right now, by this springtime, it's going to be lost forever. If you wait till the winter, in other words, if you wait till it's over, if you wait till that door closes then it's going to be too late. Folks, we oftentimes do not respond even though it's incredibly important. Things seem small today when we look at them, but folks, things that seem small today have a habit of becoming large tomorrow. And if you don't deal with it now, how are you going to deal with it then? So many times that just a quick word or, a, or an action or a phrase could have stymied so much heartache and pain later. But rather than take the moment in time it takes now, now you've got to spend a lifetime trying to repair because you chose to procrastinate. And we're all guilty of it in some fashion or another. We've done it to one another. But, I, I, but I'm saying even to God, we've done it to God. Sometimes when God tells us to do something, He's not telling us to think about it. He's saying, I told you to do it now. Yes, we are to pray. Yes, we're to seek guidance. Yes, we're to look for God's counsel. But if God says jump, then you jump. Because when you do not jump, what happens and the things fall out from under you and you fall to your doom? If your child is running out in front of a car, you don't want to sit and have a debate with them. You say, stop. You worry about if that scared them or hurt their feelings later. You stop them before they get into the road. It's the same thing with God. I think so many times he's telling us to do something and we choose not to do it. James 4, 13, 14, one of David's books here. If you remember, James is, is talking to the people and he says, today or tomorrow, you, you, you people, you say you're, you're going to such and such city. You're going to go here. You're going to go there. You're going to make profit. You're going to sell. You're going to buy. But you know what the next verse says there in verse 14? He's very clear and he's very poignant when he speaks to the people. And he addresses it very clearly when he says, For you do not know what happens tomorrow. For what is your life? Your life is but a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So often we just get, take it for granted. Oh, you know, I'm only 50 years old. I got another 20 years left in me at least. We don't know the day or the hour of God's returning. We don't know the day or the hour that our life is required from us. We don't know the day or the hour of that loved one or that friend or that neighbor or whomever it is that God is sending us to. When God tells us to speak to somebody, to pray with somebody, to shake their hand, to give them a hug, to mow their yard, whatever it is, when God tells us to do it, rather than cry, whine, and argue, let's do it and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Procrastination puts everything off. 
Folks, our lives go by incredibly quickly. I'm only 53 years old. And I know some of y'all say, oh, he's still a kid. But yet I look back and say, I'm 53 years old. What happened? It was just the other day I could just pull engines out of cars. Now I hurt for three days just thinking about it. Where, where did all that time go? I look back and, and, and there's probably not a day it goes by that, that I you hear the quiet in my house. And I'm thinking, where are all the kids? Oh yeah, they're all old and got kids of their own now. And I always have this, this thought. It went so fast. All the things I could have done, but I didn't. We don't know the day or the hour. In this new year that's coming up, when God tells us to do something, when he directs us to go and pray, to start this Bible study, to step out in ministry, well, you know, I'm not equipped. I can't do this. I can't do that. Folks, when God says go, he's going to equip you to go. He's not going to tell you to just continue to procrastinate. Paul looks at Timothy and says, make sure you come quickly. Bring my cloak because it's cold here in this prison. Bring my books and my parchment so that I can write while I'm here. Bring all this stuff. Now, as I said, Paul wasn't afraid to die. When you read verse 6 there, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. In the future, there is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. You don't hear any fear there. He's just asking for these things from Timothy because he's saying, I want to see my spiritual son. And while I wait, I just want to have this stuff. Paul knows exactly where he's going. Paul knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what looms ahead of him. He knows that his end is near. Death is not the problem. Paul just didn't want to die without seeing his son, his spiritual son. He's just saying, Timothy, I want to see you. I want to see you one more time. Some of us have waited too long to do some things, realizing that, that, maybe not realizing just how important they are. Maybe God's telling you to go pick up the phone and ask for that, get that forgiveness or to give that forgiveness. Maybe God's telling you to pick up the phone and just say, I love you. Maybe God's telling you to go to this person or that person and share the gospel. Here we're faced with a mystery. We don't know. Did Timothy get to Rome? I don't know. Did Timothy get to Rome in time to see Paul? I don't know. We simply just do not have the answer. I I don't know if, if he made it, but let's assume for a moment that he didn't. Let's assume for just a minute that Timothy said to himself, okay, I got Paul's letter. I know he knows I'm busy and, and he knows that I have all these different things going on. And, and, and you know, I, I'm going to go see him but I got these things going on here at the church in Ephesus. And therefore, I'm going to go ahead and handle this stuff right here. I'm going to knock this all out first. I, I know it says I should come quickly. But quickly is that right after I get this done. Paul will understand. I'm going to do this. I'm going to attend to these little issues here. And then I'll head out. But then while he's doing those little issues, before he knows it, winter comes. And he goes to try to get on a boat. And there's no ships. The ships all say, no, we're not traveling in this. There's not going to be another ship out till spring. For months, he's thinking about Paul now. Throughout the whole winter, he gets up in the morning. Let's say he makes himself a cup of coffee and he looks out the window and he's thinking, what about Paul? My dear friend Paul, he's sitting in prison a hundred miles away wondering. 
What about Paul? Is, is, he, is he warm? Does he have anything to do without his books and his parchment? I could have taken all that to him. Where is he at? Finally, winter breaks. Timothy gets on a boat. He makes a long journey to Rome. When he arrives, he, fi- he goes looking for Paul. And he looks all over the place. And he can't find him anywhere. Finally, he comes to the house of Claudia. And Claudia says, well, yeah, Timothy. He's gone. Paul really wanted to see you. He prayed that you would come. He knew that he had sent you that letter that said to hurry up. He really wanted to see you. He never gave hope of, of seeing you, Timothy. But he's gone. Unfortunately, he was beheaded last October. But you know, Paul, he, he loved you. And his last words was, give Timothy my love. Tell him goodbye for me. Tell him I'll meet him in heaven. It, with that grace of only Paul could give, he would say, because you know the Lord and I know the Lord, that we're going to have that crown of righteousness placed on our head. He's going to, they're going to say that Paul loved you and he told you these things to, to encourage you and bring you about. But you know what's really going on in Timothy's head? Now, understand, I don't know any of this. I'm, assume, let's just, I'm just saying for argument's sake that Timothy didn't make it. We don't know if he made it or not. But what, do you realize what would be going on in Timothy's heart when he got there? Gosh, anybody could have handled that stuff at the church of Ephesus. I could have handed it off to the elders who were doing so well with that church before I got there. They could have handled these problems that were going on over here. I should have left when Paul told me to leave. I should have came when he told me to come. But now he died alone. Folks, I I, I make this story and I'm illustrating it and putting it to you for this reason. Putting things off till tomorrow destroys the good intentions of today. You have great intentions. You know it's important. But the more you put it off, the more you neglect those everyday things, the more you put off saying that word of encouragement, the more discouraged that person may be. The more you put off going to that that individual that needs prayer and not sharing a prayer with them, the more they they feel like that nobody cares and the more they feel like that, that God has forsaken them. The more we continue to put things off till we just get around to it, the more people that are, their hearts are broken. We mean to share Jesus with, with someone we know, but we haven't gotten around to it. And then you come home one day and find out that they've taken their own life or there was an auto accident or whatever it may be. Folks, we are not fortune tellers. We don't know the future. What I do know is what I see before me and what God plays on my heart. And if God says to pick up that phone and give that encouraging word, then do it then. Don't wait till you get off later on in the day. Good chance you might forget. Life comes in. When that person sees you at church and says, I, I hope you will pray for me, you say, okay, yeah, I'll pray for you. If you don't do it then, what often happens is it keeps getting put off until you see them again the next week. And, all of a, and it's like, oh, Can I pray with you now? Because I forgot. It's too late. It's already gone. It's done. Thank you for what you did do. Folks, we intend so often to get serious in our Christian faith. But then life rears its head. Well, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to attend church more regularly. I'm, I'm, I'm going to include myself in more of the men's or ladies groups. I'm going to, I'm going to do more things. Satan hears that, and he starts throwing more and more stuff in your pathway. 
And you start saying, well, I'm going to do that as soon as I get done with this. I'm going to read my Bible right after I get done with this project. I'm going to go over to the neighbor and talk to him about Jesus as soon as I get the yard mode and this, that, and the other. And all these spiritual things that you have great intentions to do, I guarantee you the enemy is going to throw everything he can out there to get you to choose not to go do them. And the more you choose to procrastinate, the more you choose to put it off, the more you choose to continue into the projects that are being thrown in front of you, the less likely it is that you ever go and carry it out. And then we wonder, we sit back, we we have all these great intentions of the new year. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, 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 to witness to 25 people this year. And you got all these great intentions. And then all of a sudden it's winter again. It's November, it's December, it's January. It's like, what happened to that year? I didn't do all. I'm sitting here in a, a spiritual life that has grown dull. I hardly read my Bible. The only time I pray is when the pastor makes me do it in front of everybody. We have all this going on in our head, but we had such good intentions in January. Folks, that word procrastination is a word that that should not be in our vocabulary. When God says do, do. We are to serve Jesus now. What would you do for Jesus now? You may be here today and you've been saying, well, you know, I'm going to accept Christ when everything gets better. I go to church on Sundays. I live a good life. I I know about him, but I, I don't know about making him my Lord right now. Folks, why not do it now? You don't know what happens tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen to whomever or whatever. There's no reason to delay doing what God's calling you to do when he's telling you to do it today. We are all incredibly guilty of letting unimportant things cause us to miss the important things. We get so caught up. Well, you know, there's that new TV show. It's pretty incredible. You know, it's just a, it's going to be a couple months long. I'll use my Bible reading time to do that. I'll catch up afterwards. But you know what happens then? Satan makes sure there's another new show. If you were in Timothy's shoes and you got that letter from Paul and you knew there were some things you had to do around the house and things around the church you had to get done. But Paul says, I need you now. Would, and, and, and come quickly. Come before the winter. Would you have dropped everything and went? I would like to think that I would have, but I know me. I have a feeling I would say something to the, but yeah, but I'm going to get this done first. Let me get this done first. I got one more outline to type. I got one more message to prepare. I got one more meeting I got to do here. I got one more of this or I got one more of that. And then what happens? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine that this exactly thing, exact thing happened to. And he is broken right now. Because he got the call to come to the hospital for his mom. And he didn't go. He said, I'm going to go home tonight, get some sleep. I'll go back in the morning. At 9 o'clock, his brother called him said, Mom passed away. He is tore up. He's absolutely messed up, and I'm trying to work witness to him. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, why didn't you go when they called you? It's hard to witness to him with that reverberating in the back of my mind at the same time. Why didn't you go? 
And that's why it's so imperative that God laid this on my heart to share with you this morning. We don't know the day or the hour of anything, but we do know that we serve a righteous God. And if a righteous God says, get up and go, he's not going to have me get up and go and do something unrighteous. Therefore, I should do what he tells me to do when he tells me to do it and leave the outcome to him. That's how I can stay on his timing. You know, one day in the Revolutionary War, Colonel Johann Rall, he was the commander of the Hassan Army, if you will, and they were stationed in Trenton, New Jersey. Well, this courier come up to him and put, gave him a letter, you know, a very important letter. Well, he's in a nice warm tent playing cards. So he puts the letter in his pocket. He says, it can't be so important that I can't finish taking these men's, this, this money that's on the table right here. So he keeps playing cards, and once the card game's over, he pulls the letter out, and he opens the letter, and he reads it. And the letter says that General Washington is crossing the Delaware with his men right now. Well, now it's too late. He jumps up, and he tries to assemble the forces. He tries to get all his people together, but it was too late. He was forewarned, but because he put it off, and praise God for us, General Washington defeated him, killed him, and most of his regiment as well. Because he stuck that letter in his pocket rather than opening it and reading it. Folks, I share that message for this reason. When God speaks to us, when he sends us that letter, when he sends us that person that speaks those words, when he opens his heart to us and says, go and do. When Paul looked at Timothy and said, Timothy, I want to see you make every effort to get here before winter. When we hear those kinds of words, we should get on our knees and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Many of us have good intentions, but somehow we never get around to doing it. January, we list all these things we're going to do. And then all of a sudden it's November and December and we start thinking, wow, I didn't hold to any of it. There's some things that need to be said now. There are things that need to be done now. There are things that God is calling you out to do today. The question is, are you going to do them? Will you choose to do them? What is it that Jesus is calling you to today? Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm telling you that he's calling you out saying, I will give you the grace, the mercy to forgive you of your sins if you will accept me. If you're here this morning and you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what is it that God's whispering in your ear right now? Maybe it's to pick up a phone and call somebody and tell them I love you. Maybe it's to give an encouraging word to that person on the other side of the church. Maybe it's to reach over and, and, and just give somebody a hug. You know, it's amazing. That hug is a universal language of, you mean something to me. Give them a handshake. Whatever it is, is God calling you to do something today? You know, many of you have come up to me before and said, Pastor, thank you for praying with me back when I was sick or back when I did this or when I did that. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you right now. I wish I could tell you that I'm super holy and I prayed with you right then because I knew that God was working through me. But most of the time I do it right then because I'm afraid I'll forget later. I'd rather pray with you now and still believe God can do something. But if I tell you I'm going to pray later, there's a good chance, unless I wrote it down on my forehead or something, I'm, my memory is horrible. <laughs> Amen. We don't know the day or the hour. 
So why not do what God tells us to do today? Now, there will be some people who say, well, you, you need to just put that to the side and do this. You need to put this to the side and do that. No, I'm going to pray and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Well, your priorities are all messed up, maybe by you, but not by my God. I'd rather do what the Lord's telling me to do. If you're here this morning, what letter has God called you to write? Now, I share that one because I have a letter. Somebody actually still writes letters on my table at home. Now, I have to write a letter. Sherry asked me about once a week, have you written that letter? Oh, gosh, no. I'd much rather email, send them a text. No, I got to write a letter. I don't even remember if I know how to write a letter. What letter is God telling you to write? What word is he telling you to share? What relationship is he telling you to repair? Folks, the lesson this morning, Paul cried out to Timothy twice. Get here before the winter. Get here, make every effort you can to get here in haste. We won't be around forever. I can't tell you who's where and who's not. But when God says do it, let's do it. Just in case tomorrow never comes. This morning, if God's speaking to you, I want to encourage you to step out. If he's telling you to come to this altar and lay it at the cross, somebody you need to, to go and ask forgiveness of, to put an end to the, to the arguments, to put an end to the hostilities. He's telling you it's time to go and forgive. It's time to put the pride to the side and look up to heaven. Whatever it is God's telling you to do, will you commit? Let's start this new year. We had the thing on the board that will go, Happy New Year 2020. You know what will make it a really happy new year? If we're really about doing what the Lord's telling us to do. Will you make that commitment this morning and then do it when he tells you to do it? Will you, will you listen to what he has to say to you this morning and go forth and proclaim the gospel when he tells you? And most of all, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, that hand's extended to you. And as long as there's breath in your body, you can grab that hand. But once that breath leaves your body, it's too late. Where are you this morning? Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. If God is speaking to you, I pray that you will listen to what he has to say. That you'll heed the words that he's laid on your heart. That you will act before you have to react. Where are you? Father God, I just come before you this morning and with a humble heart, Lord God, understanding that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and that you know the end from the beginning, everlasting to everlasting. That if I will not put off today, but do what you tell me, when you tell me, the blessings will fall where they need. If there's someone here today that, Lord, you are touching in a mighty way, that, that you're moving them, that you're bringing to their realization what it is they've been procrastinating with. As we studied in Sunday school this morning, Lord, uh, you told Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen and gave him 12 months to get his life straight. But yet he procrastinated and it cost him seven years of his life. 
God, I don't know what's going on in the lives of your people, but you do. Help us to see what it is you would have us to see. Do what it is you would have us to do and say what it is you would have us to say so that thy will be done in the hearts of all your people. May we not procrastinate this new year, but boldly go forth proclaiming your word to to a people that need to hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's telling you to sing, I want you to sing. If he's telling you to come to this altar, come to this altar. I'll pray with you. Brother Ray will pray with you. Somebody will pray with you. You can get on your knees, pray up here. Pray where you're at. But let's not leave this sanctuary today until we're doing what God's telling us to do today as we sing.
if it was my voice or the music this morning, but I couldn't talk over today. But I want to make sure that you understand that God can be calling on you right now. And if the Lord's working on you, just because the music stops or, or whatever it is, God's call doesn't stop. If he's telling you to make a move, if he's telling you to go out there and make a say or do or whatever it may be, I pray that you will heed that call before it's too late. Now, we're, I'm about to, the, we're going to close in prayer here momentarily. But great, guys, the great thing is God hears us all day long. And if you still need to talk to me or you want to talk to Brother Ray or David or come up to this altar or whatever it may be, don't leave here procrastinating. Don't put it off. Let's get that straight. Let's get your life in order. I promise there will still be food left somewhere when you get there. Maybe not at your house, but it will be somewhere. <laughs> Oh, yeah? <laughs> Bobby said that you better like gum because that's about all I could afford. <laughs> Guys, it's good to see everybody this morning. Get your heart right with the Lord. Don't procrastinate. Get things done. Let's start this new year off with a clear conscience and a clear heart and a clear mind, asking God's grace and mercy to wash us, cleanse us, make us whole, and go forth and proclaim his righteousness everywhere we go. Amen? Amen. Good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up, keep fighting the fight, and never look back. Amen? Amen. Amen. Brother Ed, would you close us in prayer this morning, brother?
Oh 